Is your business protected against the threat of malicious litigation and frivolous lawsuits? Are you sinking company profits into marketing campaigns that do nothing to contribute to the growth of your business? Bottled Business Sense provides practical business perspectives that uniquely emphasize both legal and media marketing strategies to protect and ensure the longevity of your business. Now, whether you're trying to provide a startup business with some level of stability or an established business with foolproof asset and estate protection, or simply attempting to get a better return for your business marketing dollars, Bill Bernard and Rick Muscoso will expose potential pitfalls to ensure the security and growth of your business, free from unwanted expense and the threat of litigation. You'll learn how to implement marketing and protection tools equal to those used by today's most successful corporations. Let's join Bill and Rick for today's Bottled Business Sense show. Well, good morning, everyone. It's the top of the hour here on the Bottle Business Sense Show, and welcome to our next episode. Uh, I'm Rick Moscoso, one of your co-hosts. We have Bill Bernard on the other side. And why don't we just get jump right into it um, today. Uh, if you're watching us on Facebook or YouTube, uh, hello to everybody out there. If you're brand new to the show, comment uh, in the feed below. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, if you're just... Uh, want to inquire about uh, some of the topics that we talk about or future topics that we talk about, reach out to us at bottlebusinesssenseshow at gmail.com or any of the social needs that you see um, on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, YouTube, or on our website at bottlebusinesssenseshow.com. So with that being said, welcome everyone and let's uh, get Bill here on the show. Yeah. Hi guys, everybody. Hey Rick. Um, I want to bring everybody up to date on this um uh, AB5, uh, Assembly Bill 5, Law Under California, which has codified uh, a recent case that has been decided by the California Supreme Court, which distinguishes independent contractors from employees. There's been a lot, a lot of discussion about this. There's going to be litigation on this for years. It's very fact-specific. We did another show on this not too long ago, but I wanted to kind of touch base on a couple of items understand that while you can generally understand what I'm going to talk to you about today, uh, a lot of this is going to have to be uh, siphoned out with a lawyer uh, should you think you have a claim. What I'm about to, excuse me, I'm going to sneeze here. So uh, what I'm about to say is important to employers, it's important to employees, and it's important to independent contractors. Uh, because if you misclassify somebody as an independent contractor when they're really supposed to be an employee, there are a lot of heavy fines that can ensue uh, toward the employer for doing that. Uh, not to mention uh, IRS problems and a number of other things because you have to take taxes out of employees' checks. So keep all that in mind in the background as I go through some of this stuff because if you want to remain independent, um, and I, I actually entitled the show remaining independent under California new, California's new AB5 law, then there's certain things that you need to know. Um, again, it went into effect January 1st, 2020, and it was codified from a case decided by the Supreme Court of California. Um, you Generally, when you boil this down, it, it, you, you are going to be an employee versus an independent contractor, uh, depending upon how the business that you are doing is conducted. So let's go back and have a quick review. The IRS classifications for independent contractor were three. One, behavioral control. 
the right to direct and control the work performed by the worker, such as when and where to work, what specific tools are being used, where to purchase certain supplies and services. All of that comes into play because the more control you have over the worker, the more that worker is probably going to be looked at as an employee versus an independent contractor who makes independent decisions for his or her own business. So uh, similarly, if there are evaluation systems in place to measure the details of how the work is done, to provide ongoing training, to give uh, reviews of the, of the person's work, you, you're more than likely going to err on the side of the employee side of the, of, the, of the scale as opposed to independent contractors. The second big thing was financial control. Uh, investing in equipment, reimbursing expenses, paying the worker, uh, yourself like an employee. Uh, independent contractors, for example, are usually paid on a flat fee basis. Uh, uh, so how does that come into play? What financial control do you have over this person? And thirdly, the relationship. There should be a written contract outlining the work and the method of payment and most important, the end date of the project and the nature of the relationship. Spell it out. You're an independent contractor because A, B, C, D, and E. There's a contract in place here. You're not always going to work for me. Here's what you're going to be paid. Here's when you're going to be paid it. It's a flat fee versus an hourly fee, those types of things. So with California's Assembly Bill number 5, the three-point test was reduced to being called an ABC test. And a worker must pass all three of these ABCs in order to be classified uh, as an independent contractor. Uh, and that is the following. And, and you can see the similarity to the IRS, uh, three IRS classifications I just mentioned. One, the worker is free from control and direction of the hirer in connection with the performance of his or her work both under a contract for performance of the work and in fact. So you are, you are totally uh, in control of your own performance, of your own tools, of your own work product, both in fact, by the way you actually do things, and by way of a contract that you should have. Having that contract is very, very important. Number two, you remain an independent contractor if you also can show that you perform work that is outside the normal scope of the hiring entity's business, right? So for instance, let's say you run a marketing company and you need someone to handle social media. Even though it may be a project that you want done, the job could be construed as a normal component of your business and thus you have to hire employees because you do it all the time. However, what if you need someone's expertise and you hire an IT guy or an SEO specialist to set up a social media platform in your business that is outside the realm of the normal scope of your business. You want something specific, specialized to you that you'd never had before. Well, you might hire an independent contractor to do that. And you're gonna have a contract that says, here's what I want done. I need this guy to do it pursuant to a contract where I'm gonna pay him a flat fee because he's the only one that does it and he can do it for my business as well as other people's businesses. It's not specific to my business. 
which brings in the third part of the ABC test. In order to remain an independent contractor, the worker is customarily engaged in an independently established trade, occupation, or business of the same nature as the work performed by the hiring entity, whether or not he functions um, for that entity only. So, as I just said, you offer this business to a number of different entities, not just Rick Moscoso, but Bill Bernard and Jerry Jones and, you know, uh, Tom Hanks and whoever else wants to hire you because you're independent. You work by contract on a flat fee and you work for multiple people, not just Rick Moscoso. So these three factors uh, must be shown by the worker if the worker wants to maintain a status as independent contractor. And likewise, it must be shown to exist if an employer wants to say, hey, that guy's an independent contractor, not an employee of mine. Now, what are some of the professions that you might think would automatically lie um, uh, outside of AB5, meaning that you're not an employee? You're going to be exempted from AB5. Uh, you don't have to show whether you're an employee or an independent contractor because by the very nature of your activity, you're going to be classified as an independent contractor. Let's list a few. Insurance agents, doctors, dentists, veterinarians, architects, private investigators, engineers, investment advisors, direct salespeople, travel agents, artists, okay, uh, lawyers, okay? These are people that don't work for you. They're independent contractors by their very nature, right? Um, but what if you lie in the area of professional services? You give a professional service, maybe like an IT guy. What's gonna help you prove that you're an independent contractor? Well, you gotta prove these three factors we just discussed. But what's gonna help you prove those three factors? Let me give you a few examples. What's gonna help you prove those three factors? One, you maintain a separate business location. Hey, that's pretty good evidence, right? Two, you have a business or professional license. Okay, most employers are not gonna give you that. Three, you can negotiate your own rates for services. If you're employed, good luck trying to negotiate with your employer for a, for a different rate of pay every time you do something. Three, you set your own hours and your own schedule. Employees typically don't do that. Four, excuse me, five, you have multiple clients instead of just one. And five, and six rather, you maintain control of your time, tasks, and techniques that we've already talked about. So the independent contractor can use these characteristics if you have a professional service to help show that those three factors we discussed earlier are in place and thus you're an independent contractor. Likewise, an employer can use that to show, hey, he's not my employee. I'm not responsible for a lot of things that I'm responsible for when I have an employee. He's an independent contractor. And beware if the independent contractor is saying, hey, I'm really an employee. If the employer then cannot show those three characteristics and he's stuck 
and he's going to have to classify this person as an employee, not an independent contractor. And he may, by delaying to do that, end up paying a lot of fees and fines as a result uh, by way of the mandates of the California Labor Code, which is a whole different show that I'm not going to get into here. And remember, if you're an independent contractor from somewhere else, but you come into California for any length of time, those rules under California law are going to apply to you if you come into this state and you start working and call yourself an independent contractor. We've already talked about the fact that there's a lot of penalties, that this is, a, uh, that this is decided on a case-by-case -case basis. It's not always easy, easy as pie and something that you're just going to... Uh, to think, well, you know, boy, this, this is just slam dunk. You got to review the facts. It's very fact dependent. But what are the, one of the biggest things you can do to establish your, your, um, your background as an independent contractor, your classification as an independent contractor would be what? How do you pass one of those tests? Uh, how do you, how do you really help passing those tests that we referred to. If you establish your own what? We talked about it, Rick, on the very first show. If you enticize, if you establish your own business entity, your LLC, a partnership, uh, uh, a, uh, a uh, uh, S corporation, a C corporation, you get your own tax ID number, all of that is going to go towards emphasizing the fact that you're an independent contractor. The advantage to setting up an independent business as a separate entity is to help protect the independent contractor's personal assets, right? Why would you need to protect your personal assets if you're an employee? You're protecting them by setting up this business entity because you're acting as an independent contractor, because you know that you can go back and establish these three criterias. Okay, and these three criteria is very quickly again, according to AB5, one, you're free from the control and direction of the hirer. Two, you perform your work outside the usual scope of the hiring entity's business. And three, you customarily engage in the established trade, occupation, or business, which you typically perform for the hiring entity with other hiring entities. Okay, you work for other people. So that is, is it in a nutshell. Um, and before we leave, I wanted to bring you up to date on just a couple of other things with that, which have nothing to do with AB5, but came out uh, around the same time as AB5. So we're gonna leave AB5 aside for a minute and talk about Assembly Bill 51. Here's what Assembly Bill 51 says. And these are updates for employment law people, for people that are employers, employees, and independent contractors. AB 51 added to the labor code the fact that employers may not require an employee to sign an employment contract that waives any right or procedure under FEHA, the Fair Employment and Housing Act. It means that an employer cannot force you to waive by coming to work for him, your rights to sue for discrimination, for any kind of discriminatory conduct. And the employer cannot force you to waive by signing an agreement the fact that you can't file a claim for wages. You may not get your uh, 
uh, overtime pay, or you may not get your check in time. All of those things are things which you can file a claim with the uh, under the uh, California Labor Code. An employer cannot make you waive those rights by way of signing an agreement when you come to work for him or her. That's AB 51. Let's go to AB 9. AB 9 expands the time for filing a complaint with FIHA for discrimination from one year to three years, one year to three years. So now you have three years from the time of the last discriminatory act to file a claim for discriminatory conduct. So I wanted to very quickly bring those two things to your attention because they fall in line with the same time frame that AB5 was, was, um, was brought into law. All important stuff, folks, review it. Uh, make sure you understand it, both from an employer's perspective, an employee's perspective, and an independent contractor's perspective. And contact me if you, uh, if you need to set up anything that might help you uh, form your business and establish your independent contract uh, relationship with, with, uh, with other, uh, employers. Okay. Great. I got a quick question for you, Bill. Yeah. Um, who, uh, who polices AB five? Well, the, the, uh, AB five is a law. So it's like any other law. If you believe you're, uh, there's a violation of the law, you go see an attorney An attorney then files a, an action. If they can't get any, uh, informal relief by contacting the person who's, uh, violated the law and saying, here's what you did. We need to have you do A, B, and C. Uh, you don't do A, B, and C. We're going to take action. Well, then you file a court action, just like any other court action. So so nobody polices it other than the people who are the victims of it. And it's up to them to go see a lawyer and say, I have a claim. Here's what, I, here's what happened. And the attorney say, yes, you're right. We're going to file a, a, a litigation. And was AB5 um, <clears throat> brought into law at be, as a result of the abuse of the system or to protect the independent contractor? No, or? It's a good question. It was brought into law because of a California Supreme Court case uh, because there was uh, there were factors that were put in place by cases long ago that would determine whether you're an employee or an independent contractor. But somebody challenged that and a case was handed down called uh, Dynamex, E-Y-N-A-M-E-X, Operations West Incorporated versus Superior Court of Los Angeles, 4 Cal 5th, 903, page 903, decided in 2018. And under that case, the court said, we need a more, we need a more succinct, straightforward test to decide when somebody's an employee versus an independent contractor and that's the ABC test that I referred to in this in this uh, show, and that's how it came to be. And then the, then the uh, legislature said, "Hey, let's codify that. Rather than make it just case precedent, let's put it into law so it's clear for everybody who goes to uh, to refer to it." Excellent. Well, folks, there you go. Another great episode uh, from Bill. And uh, if you uh, have a need to reach out. For more clarification, or if you have some general questions, uh, please go ahead and reach out to Bill. Uh, his contact information is uh, below this video. You can certainly reach him on the phone or uh, via email if you have specific questions. But uh, please go ahead and do so if you if you have any questions pertaining to this to today's episode. 
Uh, you're also welcome to reach out to us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, and our website at bottlebusinesssenseshow.com. We have a ton, a ton of different uh, um, episodes on this topic. Go ahead and search for the area that you're specifically looking for, and uh, we hope uh, that we'll provide you some general information. Uh, we love doing this. We do this for free, and we've been doing it for now, geez, coming up on six years. So, um, yeah, time flies. And by the way, if anybody, uh, people find us on the sites Rick mentioned, but rather, if some people find us on YouTube, we have, you know, obviously a YouTube site. And, and rather than asking questions on YouTube, if you go to my websites, which is wfblegalconsulting.com or protectyourestate365.com, which is also PYE365.com, you can find them by either of those three URLs. You can contact me by email and you will get a much quicker and more succinct response to a question you have. Uh, or I will tell you that it, it's intricate enough to where you have to contact me by phone. So those are the quicker and, and more expedient ways to contact me uh, in order to uh, uh, get some information rather than uh, um, going on YouTube and trying to contact us through there. Great. Okay. Well, <clears throat> reach out again, uh, information below if you need to talk to Bill. And uh, with that, thanks again, Bill, for a great episode. And no folks, thank you again for joining us here on the Bottle Business Show. We'll see you on the next episode here in a couple weeks, Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Have a prosperous week, everybody.